You all right, Nath? I'm all right, Trevor. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm not doing too bad, buddy. Not doing too bad. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk About Movies podcast. And tonight, we need to talk about Supergirl 1984, the uh, DC comic spin-off of the successful Christopher Reeves Superman franchise. And um, yeah, it had a pretty high standard to follow. A swing and a miss. Pretty much a swing and a miss. Uh, To be fair, 1983 saw Superman 3 released, which is quite a strange movie in the franchise as well, isn't it? Yeah. There's bits in Superman 3 that are great, but it just didn't... Superman 3 just didn't know what it wanted to be, did it? Do you remember Superman 3, the one with Richard Pryor? Is this the one with the supercomputer? That's the one that can change the weather. Yes, right, yeah, I know the one. So, yeah, that flopped, and then... um, because Warner Brothers had produced all all of the Superman films. Right. And I think they'd put the money into Supergirl, but then when it come to release it, they was like, nah, Superman 3 was pretty pretty horrendous. We're going to call it a day. So then TriStar Pictures released Supergirl instead. Sweet, sweet move. But I must admit, I watched the other day the, the making of Supergirl, Nathan, yeah. after I'd watched the film. Right. And... It's interviewing all the actors, Peter O'Toole and Faye Dunaway, and they are all convinced they are in a groundbreaking movie that's going to be like a massive hit and will go down in history, you know? Was this before they'd read the script? They're in costume, Nate, by this point. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, anyway, Uh, we'll get on to Supergirl later. Because it's a, such a bad film, I thought tonight I'm not going to ask our listeners or on Facebook. I use every week I ask them what films they've been watching and stuff. But this week I thought I'm going to ask our listeners which are their worst films they've watched. You know, name some bad films. And Dean Harvey was first to comment, and he said, "The Phantom Menace." Absolutely nothing about it was good. The only film I've ever walked out of the cinema halfway through. Yeah, well. I mean, you and me have had many discussions about the Star Wars franchise and about which films are best and worst. And the only reason we ever talk about The Phantom Menace is just to say how bad it is. It's just so dull, isn't it? So long, so dull. Yeah. The effects just don't stack up anymore. Yeah. Um, then we have Keith Chapman says Jason versus Freddy. Yeah. Yeah, not seen that. Uh, no, I've not. I t- I don't watch all these versus films, you know. The only one I ever really did watch was Batman versus Superman, and oh my god, that was a load of crap. I was only thinking when I was watching Supergirl, I was thinking, is Supergirl the worst DC film ever made? And then I thought about Batman versus Superman and all the uh, the new yeah <laughs> the new Justice League films. I wouldn't. I don't know. Uh, that Batman versus Superman was so that was another dull film, you know. There's just nothing about it. Boring. You seen that? Yeah, yeah. Do, do, do you know what? I'm normally pretty good at remembering good and bad points of films or, or remembering any points of films uh, that I've watched. But I can't even remember the basic premise of the film, even though it's in the title. Um, and Ollie Parry Jones says, Dumb and Dumber 2 wasn't worth the wait if anyone was even waiting for a sequel. <sighs> Which is a, it's a shame that they they went into that again because it was kind of brilliant as a standalone film, I thought. Yeah, there's a few films like that, isn't there? The the Blues Brothers springs to mind. Yeah. Blues Brothers 2000 with John Goodman and Dan Aykroyd. I think I only watched like 20 minutes of that on DVD. Kieran Kinsella says, Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. The whole of that trilogy was awful, but this stood out as a steaming turd of a movie. Yeah. I thought that was the one that just completely i felt star wars had just collapsed at that the point. eighth one is where we see um luke skywalker milking some weird manatee mm. and then drinking yeah. the milk in anger yeah yeah i still think i enjoyed the newer trilogy even though they were rubbish i enjoyed them more than the prequels and timoy ticket says any of the carry-on films and shakespeare in love was not far behind that either yeah, there's something to be said, isn't there, about the carry-on films. You, it's that sort of time in British comedy is pretty pretty naff, really, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's funny that 
we look at tits. Or, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, tits are funny. Oh, oh, I've fallen over my head in tits. Oh. It's, <laughs> it is a shame because, you know, my grandparents really enjoyed uh, the carry-on films and they used to bring us a new carry-on film on VHS <laughs> whenever they came down or, or send us one for Christmas or something. And I... I you know, I can remember watching them with fond memories as kids. Like, you know, there were some funny bits in it and tits. But you, they don't stand the test of time, do they, very well? No, no. But anyway, yeah, that's, so that's the conversation on rubbish films, Neef. So if you like, want to ever comment on any of our posts each week, you can go over to facebook.com we need to talk about movies podcast. We need to always remember the podcast on the end. It's very important. But also now, Neef... Guess what? What? We got an email. We got an email. We got an email. Amazing. It's only a Gmail, but it's still an email. WN, as in we need. Yeah. Movie talk at gmail.com. WN movie talk at gmail.com. Go on now. Why are you listening to this? Go and send me an email. Tell me stuff about film and see if you get read out in future. See what happens. Go on. Knife. Yes. You seen any films this week, boy? As it happens, Trev, I have. No way. It was actually uh, chatting to you last week, and you mentioned the Hot Shots films. Oh, yes, yes. So over the weekend, I managed to cram in Hot Shots and Hot Shots Part 2, which was brilliant. Brilliant, yeah. Oh, just the like the first film, the little dog that everyone sits on. <laughs> the chihuahua, yeah. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous from start to finish. Yeah. But there, there's never a point where it, it dulls off or fades. It's just perfect all the way through. I just love um, Lloyd Bridges in those films. Just steals it for me. It's just, oh, it's just <laughs> he, he, in the second one, he steals it even more so than the first oh, one. Oh, it's just and, the timing. It, it's just fucking brilliant. That's Jeff Bridges' dad. I know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I watched those. And then after that, uh, I watched... Gentleman, Guy Ritchie. Oh, yes, you did mention this the other day. Yeah, now, I'd had about five or six beers. Right. So, I want to watch it again before I give it a full review. Yeah. But it felt brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, it really did. It felt like a great film. The only thing I will say is it's clearly becoming fashionable to drop C-bombs in films now. And podcasts, Nafe. And and podcasts, yeah. Well... (laughs) The thing is, right, is we're just talking how we talk, whereas this is a script that someone's actually written. And you think it's overdone? Too much of it, is there? Well, it felt like it. I don't want the word to lose its ferocity and its identity (laughs) and its sharpness through overuse. And I feel that that might be what's about to happen. You know, like um, there's a bit in Deadpool 2 where Josh Brolin says it, and it's just like a proper like, ooh, moment. Yeah, and it sticks out and it stands out. But in gentlemen, it's just like every other word. But is it set in England? Yes. Yeah. There you go. You work on a building site, Nafe. It is every other word. <laughs> well, yeah, I know, but <laughs> it feels like it is like a certain line that shouldn't be crossed with movies. But I don't know. Who am I to judge? It's not like we know. review movies or anything. No. <laughs> well, not we're not qualified to. <laughs> <laughs> Just if we hadn't said that, no one would have known. <laughs> they probably would. <laughs> they could probably tell. Um, How about you, mate? Oh, yeah, Nath. I've been to the cinema. Have you? I've actually been and sat in a cinema. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, I know. Been over a year. Did you Did you watch a film whilst you was there? I did, yeah. I did watch a film in a cinema. Incredible. But it was one for the kids. Peter Rabbit 2. Oh, right. How was that? Oh, the kids enjoyed it. My wife enjoyed it. I just thought it was awful. Was it a bit of a flopsy? Yeah, <laughs> it was, mate. I don't know. It's um, They sort of really trashed it up, you know, exploiting the Peter Rabbit franchise, you know. But they make a joke of it in the film because she's meant to be Beatrix Potter. Yeah. Um. So Beatrix is played by Russell Brand and he, she is drawing the Peter Rabbit books and then someone executive wants to buy the rights and says oh we got to make it a a, a villain story and we need this kind of ending and all this he's exploiting the book and she's like winking at the camera going oh why would you do that that's exploited and he's like oh, f- but you're doing it 
don't make a joke that you're doing it. You're just doing it. It's disgusting. I hate it. And uh, yeah, James Gordon's a cunt. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> No, no. Uh, you know what? I take back what I was saying. It's never going to lose its amusement. <laughs> anyway, Nath, I think it's about time we got onto the subject of Supergirl. Oh, let's let's do that. Um, Supergirl is produced by Alexander and Ilya Salkind, and they are two producers who produced the original Superman films. Good. And they've worked with Jenot Swark, the director, before. Have they worked before at this point, actually? Let me have a look. Because they worked together on Santa Claus the movie. Oh, right, okay. He directed it and they produced it. That doesn't come out until the following year, actually. So they've done Supergirl. That's flopped. Yeah, good. And then they're like, yeah, I want to work with this guy again. <laughs> they make Santa Claus the movie. That was quite, quite a successful film, wasn't it? It probably was, yeah. Dudley Moore. Yeah. So you got Dudley Moore in that. You got Peter Cook in Supergirl. Pete and Dud. Pete and Dud. Yeah. See, that's why I had it in my head that it was the opposite way around because I thought, oh, Dudley Moore probably had a success, and then Peter Cook's like, oh, I want to do a film with them. I don't know. Clutching straws. Yeah, it's weird because let's be honest, Peter Cook seems to have been in the Dud. Yeah, <laughs> he was in a Dud. He was certainly in the shadow of Dud, I think, at this point in his career. But um. You notice in both, in all three films, like Superman, Supergirl and Santa Claus, they all use the same footage, aerial footage of New York at night. Right. And just like have someone else in a green screen flying over it. Just a little fact for you there, Nathan. Well, do you know what? If you hadn't said it, I never would have noticed. And I frequently watch all three films back to back. It's not just me then. But, but what, what order do you watch them in? I like to go to Santa Claus the movie, Superman, and then Supergirl. I like to go the first act of Supergirl. Yeah. The last act of Santa Claus the movie. Yeah. <laughs> the middle bit of Superman. Right. Then I'll watch... Where did I get to? <laughs> <laughs> By that point, the, all three of those films, they all merge, and I'm thinking, what the fuck is going on? Still made more sense than just watching Supergirl from start to finish. I was going to say, I'll, I'll just quickly uh, summarise the plot of Supergirl for everyone so they know what's going on. Good luck. Right. <laughs> so, Kara, uh, is it her name? Kara? Oh, it? something like that. Kara lives in Argo City, which is this Christmas tree with toilet paper wrapped around it. Is it a teepeed Christmas tree? Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. With, yeah. Such, with stadium lights spinning around it. Yeah. But it's where the people who were on Krypton, who were all destroyed when Krypton blew up yep. in the Superman films. Yes. It's where they are, even, but they're not, but they're just, dis- were they destroyed? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. And then, but now they're here anyway. They're here anyway. Yeah. And, and Peter O'Toole is the person who created it, but yeah. he's stolen a <sighs> power source, Flux, which is called Flux the capacitor? Omega Hedron. The Omega Hedron. Oh, right. Yes. And he's, making trees with it and and that and a plastic toy a little orange plastic wand yeah but he shouldn't have it he's not supposed to have it and then Kara sees that he's got it he shows her and then she starts using it and makes a butterfly which flies out of the cling film the <laughs> around this argo city because it's it's deep in inner space it's got this protective cling film around <laughs> it <laughs> to prevent like what the hell so that's so the power source flies away <laughs> yeah 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 it gets sucked out right but the wand that was right next to it is fortunately still on the floor and didn't get sucked through the same hole which is fucking useful because fortunately they were able to use it to reseal the hole after they'd managed to stop car from getting sucked through it yeah and up in inner space smoke from a soldering iron which welds plastic polythene back together runs backwards did you notice that? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> so then yeah so the power source has disappeared yeah but 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 fortunately with no explanation whatsoever peter o'toole had not long before the power source was lost 
created a tracking <laughs> wrist thing and put it on Kara prior to this all happening. Yeah. And you know what? It was fucking good job he'd done that. And it was a good job that he'd also made a little weird ball vehicle thing. Yeah. That can uh, that he was about to fly to Venus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then as soon as that flies off, yeah. he says, Oh, I'm gonna send myself now to prison for space guys what is it called um <laughs> the phantom zone yeah the phantom zone yeah it's like well hang on could you not try getting it back first what <laughs> just gonna throw in the towel just like what all right we're getting ahead of ourselves here aren't we Nate? oh no i don't <laughs> we, think we are I think is this, this the is review perfect. just gonna be us talking through this plot <laughs> i mean peter o'toole lawrence of arabia here we're talking Nafe. you know yeah 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 oh my god first of all what is he wearing? <laughs> he's he's very theatrical with his uh, presentation, isn't he? Of 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 uh, oh, it's the Zoltar. It's the hammiest acting I've ever seen. It is horrendous acting. He won an a raspberry for this, which is I did read that yeah, on Wikipedia, the opposite yeah. of uh, uh, an Oscar <laughs> for the worst actor, and oh, it, it's no surprise. I'm gonna go. Through the bottom of his chute, in that, through there, zip, zap. <laughs> well, the thing is, is, you know, he at this point, he clearly read the script and thought it didn't matter, like, what his acting done, the script was going to sell the movie anyway. You know, the, the fortunate circumstances of the first, the opening scene, you know, and it's lucky that all of those things coincided together, um... Because otherwise, the the movie, the whole plot would have been left at the hands of some really lazy writing. I know it could have gone all wrong from this point, but now we've established <laughs> they're living in a space. There is a binary shoot. Yeah, no one can travel through. No, nope. unless they've got a, a vehicle, which he's luckily built. Yeah, the city's only got two power sources. Without one of them, everyone's going to die, and that's the one he's throwing around and kicking. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when and someone just, comes, he just kicks it away. To a girl that we've established isn't very good at sixth dimensional math. <laughs> so if you're going to throw around an Omega Hedron uh, in such a small enclosed space, the last person you want to give it to is someone that is failing sixth dimensional math. <laughs> Not being funny, but I think Zoltar was being a bit of a prick. Oh, uh, and it's like when Zorel comes along, it's Kara's dad, and he says... You took the Omega Hedron, he said, and Zoltar says, "That's not correct. I lost the Omega Hedron." <laughs> <laughs> what are these words? And then the mother in that is uh, Mia Farrow, and she's like, I think she, I don't know if she won an Oscar or a Golden Globe uh, for um, Rosemary's Baby, but she's brilliant in that, you know. And she, t- <laughs> to be fair, she's not got a massive role in this. She wasn't too bad. She wasn't overacting as such in this. No. But it's a bit of a nothing part. The thing is, they it's like they've got the Superman film. Yeah. And you've got Marlon Brando. And they're probably thinking Peter O'Toole is as great an actor. Yeah. There's a lot of similarities between this and the Superman, but they just don't pull it off. Uh, actually, this the original version of this, there is a version of this. The version we watched was only two hours long oh only two hours that like one hour and 45 minutes or something wasn't it but there is like a two and a half hour version oh jesus which was the version which was originally released in england so i probably watched that when we were kids how could they possibly have squeezed more excitement out of that storyline but you wonder if they made things might have made a little bit more sense if (laughs) (laughs) or would it have just been more random complications because it's just fucking and it is really poor isn't it it just look, you know, it's you're laughing with the very first shot when they're zooming into Argo City. It really does just look like a Christmas tree with paper around it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, is when you get inside uh, the city, it's clear that they have spent some time and effort to make the set. If you guys had put half of the effort that you've put into making this set into writing the script. <laughs> Or refining it. Do you think someone wrote a first draft and they're like, yeah, give it here, we go. Well, hang on a minute. That's just ideas. That's just a, a list of ideas. <laughs> Too late, we're shooting it. 
<laughs> I've, I've finally refined the script. No, no, it's all right. We're, we're making the final they, edits now. They don't make sense. They just they don't link together. They don't make sense at all. <sighs> oh, and then right, basically, so we get we get onto Earth, right, for one route and another, which is barely understandable. She's going to Earth, which she already says. Oh, that's where my cousin went. The original screenplay of this, it was going to have Superman in it as well. Right. And there was going to be a sort of uh, teamwork. She had to rescue Superman or something. Yeah. And I think it was going to feature Brainiac. There was a a very, you know, if you're paying attention, if you're not rolling around on the floor with laughter at this point, when Selena's in the car, there's a little snippet on the radio that explains that Superman's off planet dealing with a problem. Isn't That's he? right, because Christopher Reeve was busy doing something else and yeah. um, they couldn't use him. But they got Mark McClure, who yes. plays little Jimmy Olsen <laughs> from the Daily Planet, who we established yes. by the end of this film as a paedophile, <laughs> hanging around with school children and snogging them. But we, it's very cleverly glosses over that, doesn't it? Like, you know, there's not too much of that going along. Yeah, well, you think this is 1984 and Superman was 1977, so that's seven years. So if he's like at the time he goes to work for the Daily Planet, which you already established he's been there for some time, as well, because he knows his way around. Yeah, well, even if he was 17, he's going to be 24, and he's he's with a 15-year-old. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe don't do the math. Maybe that's six-dimensional six math. But that's the only real tie-in, except for a Christopher Reeve poster, a Superman poster that comes in yeah. halfway through the film. That's the only tie-in we actually have to the Superman universe, isn't it? Yeah. Mark LeClure. <laughs> Who's the wettest character anyway? Isn't I it? really enjoyed the uh, the scene where Kara finally gets to Earth and then she's like this um, Supergirl uh, Snow White hybrid. And she's sort of using her special powers, her laser eyes to open up flowers and, uh, you know, <laughs> dancing around in the woods and sleeping with rabbits. Yeah, and she she learns everything very quick. Yeah. There was no evolution. She's just like, oh, I can look at this flower and make it grow. Well, Superman was blowing things up with his eyes and burning them. So how how does she know to differentiate between burning and... Because she uses it later on and burns someone. So she, it's like, how does she know all this? I don't... But before we get to that, did we see her land on Earth? Because we see the, the Omega Hedron falls and Peter Cook and Faye Dunaway are having a picnic. Yeah. Talking about spells because they're witches. Yeah. And we see the, the thing fall and it falls right in their food. But we don't see her land, do we? No. Because she comes out of the lake fully dressed in the Superman outfit. Yeah, but you when she goes back, she goes into the water, doesn't she? Yeah, that's it. At the end, she flies into the water. So what... What I don't understand is how the Omega Hadron came from the sky, considering it came from the same place as her, yet she came from the water. And why is inner space <laughs> underwater? I don't, get, I don't understand. Already at this point, you're like, right, I have questions. I have, <laughs> I have some more questions. <laughs> but Peter Cook, I mean, we, we're both fans of Peter Cook. Yeah. We've been watching stuff of his at the moment, haven't we? Funnily yeah. enough. And the bloke is a genius. But he really was in Dudley's shadow, I think, at this point in his career and trying to break out into Hollywood because Dudley Moore by this point had had 10 and Arthur um, foul play with Goldie Horn and Chevy Chase. Yeah. Was really establishing himself as a bit of a star over there, wasn't he? Yeah. Whereas Peter Cook, sort of the comic genius of their pairing, is getting a bit left along the wayside. Yeah. And you said yourself the other day, you felt bad for Peter Cook watching him in this film. Yeah. And the thing is, is one of the reasons is, I strongly believe that he must have read the script and known how bad it was. I'm watching the making of it. I was saying that everyone says how great the script is. Actually, they only have one interview with him. And in that, he says, all I have to do is stand upright, walk about and be sarcastic, unpleasant and ambitious, beady-eyed and narcissistic. So I'm basically just getting paid to be myself. (laughs) (laughs) 
So oh, I think he's is. just there to cash the check. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this is it. But you, you think to yourself that, you know, and when you've watched a lot of Pete's work, you're like, come on, Pete, you're better than this. <laughs> yeah. You know? And that's why I felt bad for him. Yeah. You know, is that a point in his life where he's just faltering and he sort of went into a bit of a depression? When you've seen, I've seen a few documentaries and the sort of the rise and the fall. Yeah. And, um, yeah, this was a, a bit of a sad, confusing time for him, I think. Not, but it's, I mean, you know, you can pinpoint the exact moment where it was the saddest and most confusing. And. That's when he pulls that fucking wand out. Or oh, where he's wearing that fucking leisure suit. Oh, my God. What the <laughs> fuck was that about? He did not look comfortable in that scene either, did he? He looked like a sofa or something. <laughs> I don't know. Leather so- Oh, what the hell was it? He only wears it in the one scene. They take the piss out of it. It's like, what, what did he need to wear? <sighs> that all? was a proper shooter man when he's down scene, wasn't it? I oh, know. It's strange. Um, but then anyway, Faye Dunaway is this witch, Selena, and she gets the uh, Amiga Hedron. Yeah. And she's not a very good witch until she gets this, and then it makes all her magic. Real. Real. And she she becomes this sort of magical genius, and she realises straight away that this Amiga Hedron turns on a radio, and then, oh, if it can turn on a radio, it must start a car. So he drives off in Peter Cook's car. So then she goes back to her lair, and this is another thing they must have like Lex Luthor in the Superman film. He has a lair. He lives in a train station under the ground. Yeah, an old abandoned train station, and it's like this. You know, it's a real brilliant set and a great lair for you know Gene Hackman played a fucking brilliant bad guy in the original Superman. So they're like, oh, where should we put Selena's lair? Let's have her in a fairground in a ghost train. And that's her house. Oh, Jesus. But the set is nothing to write home about. No, I like... Watching all the scenes unfold in that set was like watching the Golden Girls to me. You know, it's like watching an old American sitcom. Like there's things like the the bedroom, the mirror, the sort of the lounge area, the ghost train and stuff. They're all, you're like, all right, yeah, I get the theme. And then you look at the kitchen and it's just like a normal kitchen. It's been plonked out of any fucking terraced house. (laughs) All of a sudden it's like she's not in a layer anymore. She's just in a random kitchen and she's opening the fridge and getting a beer out. It's just like, what? Fuck, it's, there's no consistency to anything in this film. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my God. And she's got a little mate, and she... Um, Brenda Vaccaro. Yeah, what's Bianca, Bianca, is that right? Bianca. And she's... I don't get what she does, really. Oh, she's, um, she's the comic relief. Oh, is that what it was? <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, like, Lex Luthor obviously has... Um, Otis, doesn't he? Mr. Luthor! Mr. Luthor! And he was comic relief. But yeah, this woman here, she's just not funny. At this point, then Supergirl, as you said, she's doing all the the ballet scenes around the lake. And she is the quickest learner. She learnt quicker than Superman that she's got all these powers, I'm sure. But she, so she flies off anyway. And there seems to be like seven scenes of her just flying through the air. And the theme tune, Jerry Goldsmith's theme tune, it's not John Williams in this one, it's Jerry Goldsmith. And it, by this point already, like t- 15 minutes into the film, I am sick of that theme tune. It's just repetitive. It's the same thing. And you're watching the same thing. You're just watching her flying yeah. over landscapes. Trees, horses, <laughs> horses running. Also, before she's even... like When she comes out of the lake, I was meant to say this earlier, she flies out of the lake... And you yeah. can clearly see the wire pulling her Good. out. Yeah. Big, thick, black wire. And then she lands and she's bone dry. I did notice that. <laughs> but when they pull her out the lake, it's actually a cardboard cutout of her that they pull out the lake. Right. So that it wouldn't create like a splash as such or something. So then she lands down. She flies out of New York. She's over New York, but then she goes out into the suburbs, doesn't she? And she... And then the truck pulls up, doesn't it, Nave? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. So this this is now her first interaction with mankind and uh, these two delightful gentlemen exit the vehicle and come and offer her some assistance some rape oh right. yes yes that's right <laughs> rape a good old-fashioned rape scene basically that's what, what this it is. film needs and at this point Nate, i'd like to just say um yeah 
Look, Helen Slater, I've only seen her in two or three films. Um, one of them is City Slickers. Yes, right. Um, in that film, I think the first scene you see her in, two local blokes are attempting to rape her. Right. It's basically the same scene. And Billy Crystal interjects, and then um, Jack Palance comes over and fucks the blokes off. Yeah, good. Um, and then uh, she's also in a film called The Secret of My Success with Michael J. Fox. Yeah. And I seem to remember she was sort of like passed around like a bit of a trolley. So she's got herself typecast. <laughs> <laughs> Do a bit of a, it's, a, I, it's a strange it's a strange old scene though it's yeah and they're they're in comparison to um supergirl they're relatively slow learners aren't they because what does she do first she first of all she she blows she, one of them no she crunches his face up doesn't she and oh that's him up. right yeah and then she blows and him. then she yeah she blows him off <laughs> <laughs> Right over the fence. And then the other one's like, oh, I'll have a go. That's it. So she's just lifted a guy up with a single hand and then with just her breath blown him backwards through a fence. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, right, sweet. I reckon I could take you on. You want to play rough, eh? Like, literally, they could have written any scene in here. Like, there was a mugging going on and she could have interjected. There, you know what I mean? There could have been any tasteful scene. And they were like, no, 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 no. No, we're going to have two morons in a truck try and rape her. Oh, yeah, no, that's definitely the way to go. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> oh, God. But, so she beats them up and they both end up sort of lying in all the trash. Yeah. And then they say, we won't tell anyone about this one. <laughs> <laughs> we keep this one to ourselves. We don't tell anyone about the failed rape. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, oh. that's the first rule of rape club. <laughs> Oh, my, yeah, it is, it is weird. And then we go back to Selena's, and she's throwing a party at this point for other witches. Oh, good, yeah, that one, that scene. That's another and brilliant scene. It's weird, and the, the girl in that, Peter Cook, starts chatting up a girl there, doesn't he? Yeah. Who, she's actually, a year before, she was in Superman 3 as well. Right, okay. But she's also someone else, Nathan. Do you recognise her? What was, hang on, trying to find her. Sandra Dickinson, her name is. No, I don't. Who was Sandra Dickinson? She played a character called Trillion. Oh, no way. She's Trillion. Trillion in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, yeah. Mental. She gets yeah. turned upside down, doesn't she? And she? She does. She gets turned upside down. She finds a spider in her mouth? Yeah, she finds a spider in her mouth, and then Selina turns her upside down just to spite Peter Cook yeah. and starts floating her around upside down. And Now, now at this point, Selina, I think, is realising that she wants to rule the world. Her plan to rule the world, step one, is to make everyone love me. Yeah, no, no, and this is great. And <laughs> her plan to make everyone love her because she got it, love, hate, love, hate, love in the cards. Yeah. That just so happens to be in the car whilst they're following the school bus through the school grounds, <laughs> which, again, hardly, like, no point to at all. And then her mate, who, that's her whole purpose, Bianca's whole purpose, is to spot this guy that is supposed to be a hunk who is Hart Boschner. Yeah. Is he famous? You probably recognise him from one film. Right. He plays Ethan, doesn't he? But um oh yeah yeah I know exactly who he is yeah he's he's the cokehead in Die Hard isn't he that's it Ellis is yeah it Ellis? yeah 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 Ellis yeah so this plan to make everyone fall in love with her now starts specifically with Ethan yeah so start small at this point right, I've got another question here <laughs> right. why why is she making him fall in love with her what how is that gonna rule the world what well, he's clearly a prominent local figure. <laughs> he's a gardener. Well, yes, but he gets a lot of repeat business. So she creates a potion that she's going to give to Oh, him. no, that's that's right. The thing starts shaking in the box and she's like, oh, it's a sign. I found my prince. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Come on. So it wasn't her idea. The, the, no. The flux capacitor told her that. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it's called. <laughs> The, high- the continuum transfunctioner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, now, so that's her plan, is to do that. But at this point, Supergirl 
has come down and even though she's got this wrist thing on and she should be finding this. Yeah, because they've only got two days of oxygen. At this point, I've jumped, I've jumped ahead again. Sorry, mate, but she's... Um, well, yeah, but we don't have to tell the whole plot. We can just... No, but we can't leave out the bit where she decides she needs to join a school. <laughs> After watching them play softball. <laughs> yeah. You know, time is of the essence. My family are suffocating in inner space because the polythene is torn <laughs> which is under the ocean somewhere <laughs> but time is of the essence but i better go to school and she flies behind the she flies into a tube as no, supergirl and no, comes no, no, out no 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 she does it behind the tree doesn't behind she? several trees yeah that's she it she walks behind a tree and when she comes out the other side she's got a school shirt on a blazer yeah and then she comes out she's got the socks and the skirt and she's Different hair. Change the hair. Another color. power that I bet Superman was like, oh, I wish I knew how to do that. Because he has to wear his costume under real clothes. Yeah, yeah. But he could just change really quickly. But she can materialise clothes. That's how good she is. <laughs> She's learnt this. Just in, it's like, She just instinctively knows how to do all these things. It's amazing. Yeah, she's just like, oh, I just thought about it. And then the first time it took me two trees and the second time it just took me a pipe. <laughs> But then, in a, you know, small world and all that, she's in the middle of, you know, this little town in the suburbs. Yeah. And she goes into the school. And at this point, she's made up her own name. I'm, I'm, I'm Linda Lee, she says. And then she meets her roommate, Lucy Lane. Oh, my God. It's Lois Lane's sister. So it's small world, isn't it, Nate? Yeah. Well, again, you know, very convenient. If it didn't have these links to the Superman franchise, you wouldn't recognise it as part of the Superman franchise. No, that's right. That's right. I mean, it is good that she took the time out of the hectic schedule to attend some advanced computing classes, try to figure out, and this is the, you know, mind-boggling thing, comes out of the water, crushes a stone, yeah. <laughs> controls her laser eyes to the point where she can heat up a flower just enough to open its petals. Yeah. And grow it, yeah. Suss is out, yeah, Suss is out flying and can metamorphosize between different clothes and hair colours uh, just by walking behind trees. But for the life of her, she cannot figure out how to use a fucking bra. <laughs> yeah, she does. She puts on a bra on the but outside. the thing is, is when you see her in a Supergirl outfit, which again, right, when she left the tree with the toilet paper chasing the continuum transfunctioner in the weird orb that went through water and inner space thanks to uh some advanced six-dimensional maths she went from wearing a white robe to magically being in this blue and red supergirl <laughs> yeah, costume with a Why is she really in? short skirt on <laughs> and if it was already in there what, what, where was, was zoltar going <laughs> <laughs> what was he wearing that for do you think zoltar was just a little bit because he's obsessed with earth isn't he do you think he was just like a little bit of superman's cross-dressing bit on the side <laughs> he could have been <laughs> just oh it's, yeah, oh it's so weird mate um by this point selena has given this made this potion she's put this little spider in a walnut and she's given this potion to Ethan, and he's come out really drunk, and then Peter Cook's knocked in the leisure suit and distracted her. Ethan escapes through the back, and he's just walking dizzily through the town. Now, the town, actually, it's built, it's a set. Right. Built at Pinewood Studios, so it's really impressive, except for when he bumps into a lamppost and it bends. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but he's walking through this town and this is where you're thinking there's not been really any big action scenes yet. <laughs> in Superman, the movie, by this point you had that amazing scene where the helicopter's taken off of Lois Lane off the top of the skyscraper. Yeah. Gets tangled in the rope and starts hanging off the side. Really effective, really good little action scene that sort of lifts you up and it's your first time you see Superman. Well, I think they should have saved Supergirl, perhaps, for this action sequence. We shouldn't have seen her yet doing all these things that she's doing. Right, yeah. But we have. Well, we needed to establish the fact that she was Supergirl because that wasn't obvious from anything leading up in the plot, was it? No, no. But now we need to see Supergirl in action. We need an action scene. So you've got Selena and Bianca sat at home watching the mirror with um, 
Ethan walking around. They can see yeah. everything that's happening yeah. with Ethan in the town through this mirror because it's magic. It's Selena's magic. But they're watching him walk around anyway. So they, like, they know where he is. Why don't they just go and get him? Yeah. They can see he's in the town. They've obviously been in that town. And the thing that needs to be noted here is that obviously because he's had the potion, when he wakes up from his sleep, the first person he lays eyes on, he's going to fall in love with. And that was the whole point of getting him round there for Selena to give him this potion so that when he wakes up, she sees him, he sees her, whatever, they fall in love. Then she's got her king and then she can progress with making the rest of the world fall in love with her and then world domination. So at this point, he's stumbling through the whole town magically not making eye contact with any females <laughs> with anyone and you're thinking yeah. to yourself oh well they're running out of time like you say they probably should go out and try and rescue him but no clearly if you're a witch you're gonna command a piece of inert construction machinery to do your bidding yeah it's basically she she operates a like well, it's a swing shovel, isn't it, on wheels? Is it a manatee? Yeah, yeah, it's like a telly. Yeah, like a telly handler, isn't it? And she gets it to pick him up inside the front of it. Yeah. After it's like smashing the city down, and and that, everyone's like w- watching, yeah, and horrified, but no one's doing anything except for Lucy Lane. Then decides someone's got to stop that thing, or someone's going to get hurt. So she runs in, jumps in, really brave of her, gets inside the cab of the thing, and then gets knocked out Yeah, uh, inside the cab. And at this point, it carries on just wrecking the city, doesn't it? Well, I keep saying a city, it's only a little town. So basically, the action scene that we've all been waiting for, where we're first going to see Supergirl, is her rescuing Ethan from a runaway digger in a little village. Yeah. <laughs> now, there might be some people listening to this, that feel that that sounds rather underwhelming and that we might be playing it down uh, because we're hating on the film a little bit. But Oh, my God. I mean, what is it like? It's less than two miles an hour, isn't it? It's got to be. You know what I mean? And Ethan's attempts to escape the, the digger are just... they. Oh, my God. They fall on the side of... They're on the low side of pathetic, aren't they? Let's be honest. And he keeps falling over in that really <laughs> hammy way. It's horrendous. So it captures him, anyway. It captures him. Lucy Lane is, like, injured inside it. And now yeah. Supergirl has turned into Supergirl, and she flies, and everyone's seen Supergirl for the first time. Yeah. She doesn't stop the digger. She just takes the front off of it. Yeah. Which has got him in it. Leaves her mate inside as it's still <laughs> smashing through buildings. It's like, I thought that's your best mate. Like, you know, but she flies the thing down, lands it, opens it up, and then he sees her. But she j- changes by this point, doesn't she? From Supergirl back into Kara for some reason. Linda Lee. Yeah, Linda Lee. Kara. It's, oh, it's confusing, isn't it? She's got three names. But she's, yeah, it turns into Linda Lee, the schoolgirl. And then he opens his eyes and obviously first female he's seen falls in love with her. Yeah. Another paedophile. The witches who have been watching the whole thing unfold in front of them missed her turning from one to the other. Yeah. They didn't see that. No. But this is the weird thing when they're watching it, Bianca just turns to Faye Dunaway and says, Storm Dragon? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, what now? (laughs) what the f- what is a st- what storm dragon where did that come from what does it mean i can only imagine that it's something that was you know something that existed in the previous 50 minutes of the film right which they must have overlooked that they hadn't cut this like two seconds and they must have been like oh well she said it so well it's Let's- one of the lines she said because right. <laughs> <laughs> Faye Dunaway in it, she also won the Razzie for Worst Actress, and it is horrendous, isn't it? Yeah. This is Bonnie and Clyde, you know? She was in Chinatown. Brilliant actress. It's just it's heart-wrenching to see it, and she is so bad, so overacting, so over the top. So now, she, finally, it seems like this is like three hours into the film, so they're aware, she's aware of Supergirl now, or of Kara. No, what's her name? Linda. And Linda Lee, uh, this lad, falls in love with her now. All of a sudden, he's talking like 
fucking oh yeah 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 scribe like yeah he's like an old <laughs> english like poet a, all of a sudden something out of shakespeare <laughs> mate what are you talking about who talks like that it's like dude you're, you're trying to serenade a schoolgirl. but this this has been written by men and i think this is like oh we've got to make this film for girls Girls love this stuff. <laughs> we've had the horses running yeah, freely. Yeah. We've had the flowers. We've had Supergirl waking up, curled up with a bunny rabbit. Now we need like this fucking vomitous poetry. Yeah. You know, we've had now, by now, we've had one action scene. And now it's it's nearly every other scene is an action scene. So it still feels the slowest film ending ever. <laughs> but the next action scene selena sends an invisible monster storm to kill a schoolgirl. kill a schoolgirl. yeah and there's like a storm that's tearing up the ground all the way to her and she comes out as supergirl and suddenly thinks oh i know how to defeat this is easy all i have to do is rip out a light bulb fly up to the sky get electrocuted and then yeah so present it to the yeah so she she has a little a little thaw moment doesn't she where she sort of yeah, rips rips the light out, flies up and collects the light, and then she comes flying back down with this, what can only be described as a poor man's lightsaber, holds it up with both hands, shoots two tiny weak electric bolts out of it at the beast, and then it sort of vanishes into a pale blue light. Done. Done. But again, she instinctively knows how to do all these things. Yeah which is fantastic. Well, it is good for her, isn't it? You know what I mean? Because that, that could have been quite the fight scene otherwise. It could have been exciting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it could have turned into quite the epic battle and quite the spectacle. I mean, it could have almost saved the film. But nothing compares to the next action sequence, <laughs> which is just after she's at the fairground with um, <sighs> Ethan. Yep. Uh, and then, lo and behold selena she sends really slow dodgems after <laughs> of all the things at a fairground that she could have done to to torture him and scare him yeah she puts him into the middle of the dodgems arena yeah by just it's just she's getting more powerful <laughs> hang on a minute because the the <laughs> right there's a bit of a fight scene ensues doesn't there where uh Supergirl traps Selena in the bars, doesn't she? Yes, yes. Yeah, and then she grabs hold of the dodgem and flies off, right? With with Ethan, Ethan. in the dodgem. Yeah. And they, they go and land on some beautiful beach somewhere, don't they? Then they're having this bit of a debate about uh, Linda Lee being able to take care of herself and doesn't need Ethan, and Ethan's like, no, I must go and save her. And then um, out of nowhere, a coconut lands on his head. <laughs> But that was Selena again, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, it was, but like a coconut on his head. But Selena now, she's getting... Ethan breaks out of the spell, doesn't he? But then she puts him under another spell. Does he break out of the spell because he got hit on the head by a coconut? No, doesn't Peter Cook... Oh, that's... Yes, Peter. ...tip the spider out or something, doesn't he? Yeah, he, I've let your spider out of your walnut. So uh, now Ethan's not in the spell anymore. She doesn't need Peter Cook anymore. Nigel. And she tells him so, and then she says, and we don't need this dump either, referring to the, her ghost train lair. So she materialises a mountain next to the town, yeah. with a big castle on top. Everyone in the town, oh, they're upset, aren't they? They all start protesting against her. <laughs> <laughs> and Jimmy Olsen's still there. Yeah, Jimmy Olsen's still there, grooming. Grooming, <laughs> yeah. So Selena, like, how did... Ethan get back. No, Selena Selena invites Nigel round because she finally concedes that she might need Nigel's help. And this is one of my favourite scenes in the whole film. And um there, there aren't many. <laughs> Nigel uh is like, what you need is one of these. Uh and he pulls out what looks like a fucking decaying lamb's leg with a f- fucking crow's feather stuck to it or something. I mean, it is just a horrendous-looking prop, isn't it? You know what I mean? This is a wand of pure evil. <laughs> of course, that's what she needs, a, a wand of pure evil. Yeah, and then when you point it at the Hadron Collider, 
fuck knows what happens. One of them spins, the other one wiggles, and then Ethan magically arrives on Selena's bed all tied up. Ah, oh, that's what happens, yeah. And, yeah, Supergirl Linda Lee, Supergirl, Supergirl Kara, is a fucking Jesus Christ. It's about, <laughs> it's about to kiss Ethan because he's sort of realised that Kara is Linda Lee. Yeah. And uh, they're about to kiss again and she closes his eyes and then opens her eyes to realise he's not there anymore. I mean, honestly, how do they come up with this stuff? How have they written it? It's genius. Why did it not even make half of its money back when it was released? <laughs> I, I um, just don't see the problem. Now they've got this castle at the top of a mountain and Supergirl turns up to defeat her and it's a trap. She basically walks into a trap. She sees Ethan and then when she turns around to go and get him, she's stuck behind glass and then she... She realises that she is trapped in the Phantom Zone, like you saw in the Superman films where Zod, General Zod and his two friends yeah. get put in that glass prism, don't they? And then yeah. she gets stuck in that and then sent out into outer inner space? In, yeah. Or was it left no, in inner space? No, she gets sent, sent into <laughs> outer inner space. Oh, right, that's what it was, that way. <laughs> So the glass thing smashes on arrival, done it, when she lands on the surface. And that part of the surface seems to be surprisingly spongy, almost like it's a mattress. And then she steps three steps back and then tries to fly and lands in exactly the same space that just so happens to be spongy like a mattress. (laughs) Then she's like trying to crush a stone and makes her hand bleed. I, I wrote as a note... It's like trying to get blood out of a stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's surprisingly, the blood does seem to come from the stone and not her hand. <laughs> yeah. So in the Phantom Zone, rather than crushing a stone to dust, she can only squeeze it hard enough to get blood out of it, which is still yeah. quite some doing. But she meets Peter O'Toole. Good job he banished himself and didn't try and use his genius to try and save her. Yeah, because... Or, or the that's... dodecahedron. <laughs> You do make a good point, Trev, because otherwise she'd have been stranded there in the uh, Phantom Zone on her own without a guide. Yeah. So she meets him and instantly squirts in her mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Squirt? And that seems to be all he wants to do. Let me squirt in your mouth again. Can I squirt in your mouth? (laughs) It's it's like the first six months of any relationship. <laughs> oh dear. So it's like windoline, isn't it? It's like a windoline bottle that you just keep squirting in his mouth. Oh yeah. And he squirts it in her mouth. It's, I don't understand what it is. It, as far as props go, it's right up there with the wand. And she's like, Oh, what are we where are we? He's like, We're in the Phantom Zone. And she's like, Oh, how do we get out? There is no way out of the Phantom Zone. And then two minutes later he says, There is a way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could do it. Hang on a minute. If there's a way out of the Phantom Zone, why hasn't everyone tried it? And I'm not, I'm not, not even trying to be funny at this point, but it didn't actually look that difficult. Ten minutes and they're out. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a long ten minutes again, isn't it? It's like a really long action sequence. Oh, it's not even an action sequence. It's just a <laughs> sequence. Come on. Is it really shit green screen? <sighs> Some more awful Pe- Peter O'Toole acting. Yeah. It's absolutely horrible. Um, and then they're like clinging onto this wall with this ferocious drop beneath them, climbing over the rift or something, trying to get through a little hole at the top. Yeah. And he doesn't make it, but he saves her. She gets out and then he falls. And it's really impressive that that bit is my favorite special effect in the whole film. What, where he goes, (laughs) where he falls with no emotion on his face. It's just like a 3D cutout. A cutout of him just being spun around. <laughs> oh See that for me, that bit was a little bit overshadowed because he, he he slips a little bit, and then she sort of rescues him. And when he's climbing back up, I swear I didn't stop and rewind it to watch, but I swear there's a moment where he rests his face between her ass cheeks. <laughs> he probably did. He probably did. Yeah, it's like that. Have you see on Return of the Jedi where Princess Leia gets shot? when they're uh, trying to get into the... Yes. To let the yeah. shield generator down, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And Han Solo, there's a shot where he clearly grabs her tit. <laughs> you watch it. 
<laughs> and yeah, I think I did think the same thing with this with Peter O'Toole. But anyway, yeah, so the exit from the Phantom Zone. Yeah. And um, whilst they're trying to exit, Selena is launching an arsenal of random weirdness at them from, you know, she just so happens to have a book yeah. on the table behind her, which is, oh, ways to attack people trying to exit the Phantom Zone. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. This is just the novel I was looking for. It's funny, isn't it, that they know about the Phantom Zone when that's come from a completely different galaxy. Oh, what is... I don't even know why I'm thinking about it. I don't know why I'm putting any thought in it. Why question that? You know? Uh, yeah. I mean, the problem is, Trev, if you're going to start questioning little details like that, the whole film's going to fall apart. It's going to unravel pretty quick. so uh what's her name comes back through the mirror smashes through the mirror that they're all watching it on and they're all sat around eating popcorn watching it like it's a film it's hilarious yeah yeah nice touch but at this point selena has captured lucy lane lucy lane yeah jimmy olsen and peter cook and they're all in these balls aren't they being held up in these chain balls and peter cook says something like oh the old dangling ball from a ceiling trick good line good line best line in the film yeah. Supergirl smashes in through the window, in through the mirror anyway, and she's like, This is it. This is the this is the big fight now. <laughs> Fucking shit's gonna get real. <laughs> and then Selena says, You're no match for me, and then she makes polystyrene bricks fall off of a cardboard wall. Yeah. First of all, which is a bit of an inconvenience. But nothing compared to what she does with the floor tiles. She makes them wobble a bit. <laughs> Which, to someone who can fly, is bewildering. Because that's it. She's Considering how quickly she got a handle of her powers at the start, now she's completely forgotten the fact that she can fly. And she's wobbling about on an uneven floor that's tipping ever so slightly, (laughs) here and there. With some red flashing lights underneath it. Yeah. (laughs) And then uh, Selena decides she's got to conjure up the... Demon Storm, is it? Which no, she right. says, Power of Shadow, destroy her! Yeah, and then yeah. this uh, demon thing comes along. Wow, this, these effects must have been breathtaking at the day. I bet they were watching this going, oh my God, it's contorting her. She's just getting stretched and twisted. And it's like, it's obviously they're just twisting the, the footage of her. It's, oh my God. What e- I can't explain. What even is the cannot- monster, the big rubber thing? It, it's just like, Jesus. It, it's like Elf, the extraterrestrial. Alf. Alf. Alien life form. Yeah, it's like Alf. It's like Alf on steroids with a yeah, couple of horns. it is. Alf on steroids, yes. Yeah, and now he's, like you said, he's got these two hands that are closed. They're not even closing. <laughs> they're just moving a little yeah, bit. And, and then you've got this superimposed <laughs> image of Supergirl on top of it that's bending, crumpling, and groaning a little bit. And I've got to be honest with you, if I was in a bed with a woman and that was her effort at faking an orgasm, I probably wouldn't <laughs> even finish. I'd just get up and leave. It's not even trying to convince you. You have such little respect for me that that's all you can muster. Right, I'm off. So, but she, I can't even remember how she defeats it. Oh, no, she just hears Zoltar's voice and then flies out of his hands. That's right, yeah. It's like the Force. Exactly, she Star wars it. No, she she turns into a tiny little red dot and spins around her really quickly. Oh, that's right, yeah. She, <laughs> and with the smaller mass, using sixth dimensional maths, uh, she's able to increase her maximum velocity to the point where she can generate a small localised whirlwind inside the room, yeah. which picks up Selena, not forgetting her friend, and then transports them into the mirror, which then magically picks up all of its glass and reforms. Yeah. And then she unmaterialises the mountain. Yeah, yeah. But there's nothing complicated about that. That's as as simple and as uncomplicated as walking behind a tree and changing your clothes. Exactly. She knew how to do that. It's easy. That's basic six-dimensional maths, isn't it? <laughs> Fuck me. They teach you that in kindergarten, mate. Well, I'm not Kryptonian, so uh, there are elements of it that did uh, elude me. But um, So then everyone else, Peter Cook and Mark McClure, uh, Lucy Lane, they all just turn up back in the city or in the town and... And she says, I've got to go because I've got to save my people. 
So you think, oh, we're going to see her save her people. And then she flies and just ducks into a lake and then flies towards the Christmas tree with yeah, and toilet paper around And the it. lights get a little bit brighter. And uh, that's the end, mate. Done. That is that. You know why they ended it there? Go on. Because if they actually showed you arriving at the city, bearing in mind she was about three days uh, on Earth, uh, she was just going to find everyone suffocated and dead. Yeah, that's it. She's wasted too much fucking time. And you don't see her beat her own head out with that little fucking gay wand dildo thing. Uh, uh, so angry at herself, thinking, why did I fucking go to that maths lesson in that hockey game? Why was I so easily distracted? Because you're a girl, dear. <laughs> can't say that that's what the blokes were thinking when they're writing it she got distracted by girl things yeah yeah brassiers hockey and men I've, do you know what this has been hanging over us for months isn't it <laughs> we had to read watch supergirl to do this i hope it's been worth it mate i've i gotta be honest i've thoroughly enjoyed this evening it's been good fun i feel for you editing it <laughs> but just as a film it just like all of the choices they made all the way through the film with everything, every aspect of it, it just leaves you completely befuddled. But it was a film, it was a movie, and we did talk about it. That was another episode of We Need to Talk About Movies, wasn't it, Nath? It was another episode of We Need to Talk About Movies. Oh, what an episode. So, sorry, that was another episode of We Need to Talk About Movies podcast. Oh. The podcast. Don't forget the podcast, as people won't know to find us. Please, if you have been listening to this and you have enjoyed this, then please, if you can, on your whatever you're listening to this on, rate us or share us or anyway, review us. Just do so because it, it helps us out a lot. And why not share episodes to your Facebooks and things like that? Try and get us out there. Much appreciated, wouldn't it, Nath? It would be appreciated because we feel that we've definitely got something to add to the uh, community. <laughs> Nath, thanks ever so much for joining me again, buddy. Trev, thanks for having me, mate. Cool. All right, everyone. See you all again soon. Chase. Chase. Chase.